Welcome to episode one of season two, which I've entitled very simply gratitude and hope because that's what I felt walking away from this experience. There's a lot of wisdom in this episode, so I'm pretty sure you're going to enjoy it. Some of the highlights are the importance of gratitude and keeping in mind the bigger picture of what's happening around us. And based on mother's words, we also recognize the reality of our world around us but we are challenged and encouraged by Mother's Leadership to have sincere hope for the future, and that's what's going to carry us forward. So welcome, everybody. This is our first episode of the new year, and what I'm calling season two feels very exciting to say that for myself. And today is especially fun because we have a sister duo here. And uh, I'm really grateful they both showed up. We've got the Ogden sisters here, and we've got Sujan Ogden, who right now is doing a very exciting job of being a loan officer, <laughs> which is very important. If you've ever bought a house, it's a very drudgery experience, right? <laughs> but without those people, you can't move into the, the house that you've been waiting for. She's also helping to teach Sunday school in the Chicago church. And we have her sister here, Sancha Ogden, who is living in New Jersey, right along the border of New York. <laughs> she said she couldn't cross over into New York. She had to stay in Jersey. <laughs> and she is working for the HR department for HSA USA. I'm super excited. So why don't you both say hello to everybody who's listening today? Hello. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Yay. <laughs> so today's speech that we're reading is the speech that mother gave at the Thanksgiving dinner for leaders. So this was on Thanksgiving day of 2022, November 24th. And she had a group of leaders. They had a meal together and she gave these words. So let's get into it. She starts with, did you enjoy your dinner? Did you eat with a heart of gratitude? We are people of happiness. Happy people naturally think, act, and implement with a grateful heart. Isn't that so? Furthermore, after 6,000 years, Heavenly Parents' dream has been realized on earth through true parents, and a new chapter of history is being written. There should therefore be a central nation that ensures the firm settlement of Chanukuk, shouldn't there? You are on a path unlike any other in history, and it leads toward a heavenly unified Korea and a heavenly unified world. Actually living in this time with true parent, when true parents are alive, you can participate in their providence. That is something to be grateful for. Something that brings you to tears, isn't it? I mean, first, it's a very sweet idea. She says, did you eat with a heart of gratitude? And of course, it's Thanksgiving, so we're highlighting, you know, the importance of gratitude. But this point that she makes towards the end is, is being grateful to be alive at this time when true parents are alive and being able to participate in their providence. And she says, this is something to be grateful for, something that brings you to tears, isn't it? And I have to pause and check myself because, you know, I, I work for the church and it's, uh, doesn't always feel that way. It can feel quite chaotic and it can feel stressful and frustrating. 
And, uh, you know, our church isn't always the most organized church, all that kind of stuff. But when I sit back and I read this and I think of it, I, I feel humbled and I, you know, I want to check my heart because it's true that I'm, I'm really lucky to be alive at this time. And particularly I'm lucky to be at this phase and age of my life when true mother is leading the Providence, because it's a time for women, I think, to really restore who we're supposed to be. And it's because mother took that first step for us that now we look at God and we re- we say God is our heavenly parent, not just our heavenly father, but we are full representation of God because God is a heavenly parent. When you study the providence of history and you look at all the people that supported God's providence, you you start to recognize like it it was really confusing and chaotic for them and and difficult and painful and change was difficult. It wasn't clear, right? They I mean, it wasn't always when when the Israelites are wandering in in the wilderness, they're struggling. They're getting mad at Moses. Moses gets mad at them. You know, all of that is happening. And I wonder how much they recognized the beauty of the time they were living in, even though it was so difficult. And so I'm reflecting that on myself too, that it is difficult. It's confusing. You look at the world, it's like, how are we ever going to change the whole world? How is everybody ever going to know God and true parents? But at the same time, I if I approach it with the heart of gratitude, as mother is saying, then my attitude changes, right? My I have more hope, I have more sense that things can change and that God can work through imperfect situations and that you know God hasn't given up and is going to continue working through us no matter the difficulties that come up. So yeah, I I walk away from this particular section feeling humbled and grateful. And wanting to make that more a regular part of my conversation and presence in the work that I'm doing. I love the point of of gratitude. And I think um, I also have a side bus- business that I've been working on. Because, um, you know, a part of uh, developing a life together, right, with your significant other is, you know, finances. And, you know, part of the coaching that we get has a lot to do with gratitude. And at first, when... They, you know, when they're encouraging, be grateful. A part of me actually responds with like, I know that I've done that. Like I've grown up learning that. Right. Um, But I think what I'm reminded of here is uh, what I'm noticing really in myself is um, it's really surface level still, even my gratitude. Um, And I think what's significant to me is both like the beginning and the end, because she says when people are, are happy, like happy people naturally think, act, and implement with a grateful heart. So when you're acting and thinking from a, from gratitude, your actions are very different and your mindset is very different. Um, and I, I can see for myself that I haven't really tapped into what does a grateful heart really look like? What is it? What does your life really look like when you have gratitude? Um, like how different are you seeing life? like the lens of life through almost. Anyway, it's just a, a reminder to me, my heart of gratitude definitely needs to deepen. And then I think when it's deepened, it can expand, right? To include other people and to yeah, really see the world differently and take actions that are different. Yeah, I think similarly, when I first read it, did you enjoy your dinner? Did you eat with a heart of gratitude? It's it's one thing to ask, did you enjoy your dinner? It's like, oh yeah, it was really good, very tasty. But to eat with a heart of gratitude, it like 
it's an automatic shift. And it causes, when I read it, it was like also for me reflecting on myself, just this pause of like, oh, yeah, that's different to eat with a heart of gratitude. And of course, she goes on to say to do more things with a heart of gratitude. It's it takes like a mindfulness, I think, to think that way. So I, I also felt that that kind of pause and like thinking about where where I'm at internally. Beautiful. Okay, Mother continues. She says, It was in preparing to receive the Messiah on his promised return that Christian history unfolded. And yet we have very little content describing the time with Jesus. In other words, Christianity began without knowing why Jesus became the Messiah or what his true nature was. Jesus had said he would return. Christianity thus began with people waiting for him. Over the next 2,000 years, however, a human-centered system emerged that prescribed a certain way of practicing one's faith, but conscientious believers that wanted to venerate God were not satisfied. Rather than learning about God in the church system, they sought to serve God in a bigger and broader environment. Despite not knowing it, they were on a quest for heaven. The path to finding the Creator was arduous. Nevertheless, for the sake of God's era, there must be a nation in which such an environment has been established. I love this. This is super interesting to me because what Mother's highlighting here is the reality of when Jesus came, you know, is Jesus and his followers, his 12 disciples, and what a small group that is, right? At a time when, you know, writing things down wasn't wasn't very common. And he's just talking to people, right? These are people who remembered what he said and passed it on to other people. And it eventually became a written word that we could read. And what she's saying here is that, you know, there's very little content describing the time with Jesus. And so the people at that time didn't understand why he came. And, and then she's talking about how as Christianity is developed, there was a certain way that was expected, pe- expected of people who became Christians, who, who were moved by Jesus and moved by the story in this New Testament age. And that there was a certain, I, in my mind, I imagine like the box that you must fit in, right? Here's the check boxes that you must fill out to be a Christian, to be a follower, to separate yourself from the Jews all of that. But mother is highlighting that that didn't satisfy a group of people, that there were conscientious believers that wanted to venerate God, but were not satisfied by that. And I love it because it's like the rebellious part of me like pops up and is like, yeah, stick it to the man, you know, all that kind of stuff. (laughs) Then she talks about, so instead of just learning about God in the church system, they were, these people were trying to serve God in a brighter way. And just, she talks about that actually these people were searching for heaven without realizing it conscientiously deep within themselves. They, they had this calling and they didn't understand it. They didn't fit within the box, but they knew that maybe something was missing from the way that Christianity was being developed. And I love that because I feel like that really resonates with a lot of, especially our generation in the church and the feeling of 
we really appreciate who our true parents are. We really appreciate the communities that we were raised in and the values that we were raised in. But most of us have significant frustration with the way our churches organize and the way things are done or like the way things are explained, right? And, and as we grow up and become mature, we've had to take responsibility for that and process it as we kind of own our faith and say, yes, I'm here. I'm going to be a part of this church community. But I, I love here Mother highlighting this as kind of giving permission to think outside the box in some ways. She's not saying that explicitly, right? But as I read it and I kind of, I always try to tap into like, why would True Mother say this to the leaders? When you think about it like that, it is a little random, right? But I, I what I see from her leadership is she plants these seeds and she leaves her word as a gift for us to study and tap into. And I, I feel mother is saying, it's okay to do things a little differently, right? And I love that because we're a super Korean church and we got a lot of traditions and it's hard as an American to really understand them. And I'm growing in that, but I, I feel more freedom to be a disciple of true parents, but maybe explore what that can look like in different ways, even if it's not the traditional way of, of you know, going to church every Sunday and doing this and doing that. But that there are, if my heart, if my sincere heart is calling me and saying, God is here, then I have permission to listen to that. And I'm not going, I'm not becoming a bad person or anything like that, but I'm I'm broadening what it means to be a part of the church. And, you know, last point is it just, it reminds me of, of why mother created the term heavenly parents, holy community, because it's much broader than just the church, much broader than just UPF or providential organizations, but it's this community mindset. And um, even though it's like a long name, <laughs> I resonate with the motivation behind it. I understand where it's coming from. And I, I feel that's closer to what God wants for us. It's significant that she starts off talking, for me at least, that she starts off talking about gratitude. Because in this, the second section that we're, we just read, there's like, you know, three very, there's three areas where it talks about like, in a sense, not knowing, like, and yet we have very little context, right? Or content describing the time with Jesus. Christianity began without knowing why Jesus became the Messiah. And even down at the pot at the bottom, it's like despite not knowing, they were on a quest for heaven. And I I guess I feel like it's significant that she starts with gratitude, because I I think at least in my life, having a grateful heart has like protected me in times where I don't know what I'm doing or in times where there's confusion or there's times where I'm like feeling like I'm building something or I'm being called to do something, but I don't really know what it is. But like a grateful heart has like protected the, like the, in a sense, the pathway to move forward still becomes accessible because of the gratitude. So I think it's just significant that, you know, she speaks about gratitude in the beginning and then it kind of goes into sort of the history of the, the unknown history of like not really getting what they were not really understanding what they were being called to do, but knowing that their heart was pushing them forward and trusting that and that the gratitude in your heart is, you know, is actually a, almost like a protection that can still allow the pathway to, 
for people to move forward. Well, thank you both for sharing. Yeah, I think what stood out to me the most in this was her talking about Christianity. Uh, kind of, you guys talked about how she mentioned without knowing why Jesus became the Messiah, what his true nature was. Christianity started from that point. And I was thinking like comparing it to us as unificationists and people who know true parents, we we actually know a lot about true parents. We like have a lot of content about who they are. I'm sure there's a lot we also don't know. But in comparison to what people knew about Jesus, it's it's kind of a lot more. And I was just reflecting on if I was a follower at that time, I think I would really struggle like way more than I'm struggling right now because there wasn't a lot to go off of, but you had to put your faith in Jesus. You know, we have so much content around true parents. So I was just reflecting on true mother talks about later on, like spending time with true parents and how we do have a lot to place our faith in right now. That's kind of what hit me when I was reading this, just comparing how Christianity developed from that place. And people did have to have a lot of faith, yet we have a lot to go off of right now, knowing true parents and the time we're in right now. Yeah. And henceforth, a heart of gratitude again. (laughs) (laughs) Very much, yeah. Full circle there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Then mother goes on and she says, There are more than 8 billion people in the world today. 8 billion people. In the early days of our church, it was about 3 billion people. Is that true? That's crazy. Sorry. That's crazy. (laughs) The number has grown from that point to 8 billion in the present time. I said I would like to see one third of humankind come to know Heavenly Parent. Wouldn't that be great? Unfortunately, I am not so young anymore. It is important that we achieve the mission of having one third of humanity attend Heavenly Parent together with me, together with me. This is not a blessing just for you. There are no words to describe the world right now. In all respects, it has reached the end point. It is the end of the line. That is why I have said that all religions, races, and nations have reached their final destination and must disembark. Where should they go after disembarking? Finding true parents is the only path to the future, the only path to life. So it is an immense honor to have participated in the earthly providence of true parents. Yeah, there's a lot for me that comes up in that one. I mean, first of all, I'm shocked that the population has expanded so much in the life of true parents. But she mentions she has this goal of seeing one third of humankind coming to know Heavenly Parent. And this is a goal we've been talking about. When did that first come out? You know, after after the 2020 Providence, maybe that's when it came out. But what she says in her reflection point after this, she's talking about how big the world is. And then she's talking about her goal of reaching one third of humankind. And then her reflection is, unfortunately, I am not so young anymore. And, and this is the tone I get from a lot of mother's speeches, that she's really recognizing the reality of her earthly life. Her 80th birthday is coming up at the end of this month. Her point here that she emphasizes very strongly is that one third of humanity needs to attend Heavenly Parent, meaning to know really who Heavenly Parent is 
together with me. And she says it again, together with me. And what she's trying to say is while I'm alive, it has to happen. This has to happen when I'm still on earth. And so it's an urgent feeling. And I I feel she's trying to help our leaders understand that this has to happen while she's alive. This is one of the final conditions that has to happen. And practically that makes sense as a goal, right? If one third of the world, while true parents are still alive, come to know them or come to to start to change their ideology about who God is and the purpose of the providence of restoration, then change can happen over time. But if the, the mass is not big enough, who knows true parents while they're alive, then we're back to the situation of Jesus that we were just reflecting on where most people didn't know Jesus, never met Jesus, never heard them him talk personally and have to just trust the words of other people. But if at this time people can can see mother and meet mother while she's still alive, have that, you know, when you, it's different to read mother's speeches. Of course, this is always a wonderful experience. But when you see mother in person is a totally different spiritual experience. And that's something you can't get even from a video. You have to see her, you have to attend her and, and God and spirit world speaks to you in that moment. And so the the urgency of mother being alive is just like really coming up for me. In many of her recent speeches, she's talking about the the end of the the destination of all religions, that this is that point in history. And I like the way that it's phrased this time. She says, where should they go after disembarking? They should find true parents, is what she's saying. And I like that idea that, you know, religions... It's important to see it not like religions are have failed in their in their course, but mothers saying they've reached their destination. This they've done what they were supposed to do. They've built the foundation, and now everybody has to get off the train and see the world that they're in, and they have to find true parents in this new destination that they're in. So she's highlighting here that because we're alive at this time, this is one of the luckiest times to be alive because true parents are still alive. And that's my children are going to be the last, you know, group of people of the next generation who will have seen true parents, right. Been alive at their time because mother only has a certain amount of years left. And, you know, it was shocking when father died and it will be shocking when mother passes. And it's really going to be a test of, of who we are, but um, she's urgent about making a big enough foundation and impact so that it lasts even after she passes on to spirit world. That's that's really like her urgent, serious heart right now. I think um, here I was really, when I read this part of the speech, I was super grateful that she started with gratitude, actually, because this is pretty heavy content. You know, it's it's like very much addressing the reality that we're in right now. Even the third paragraph, there are no words to describe the world right now. And I think... I really had to respect True Mother here because in starting with gratitude, you have more space to realize like it's true, you know, this is kind of where we're at and have like more thoughts of, okay, how to process this, you know, this reality. Yeah. When I heard 8 billion people compared to 3 billion people, I think Mother was also very reflective here. She was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, in the early days, it was 3 billion. That's like a huge difference. It's a big number. So definitely when I read this, more of like this kind of, not pressure, but urgency was kicking in 
that there there is a big goal at hand. The last thing that struck me was when she said, like, this blessing is not, this is not a blessing just for you, is what she said. I think it made me reflect, like, there's so many things in my life that I am really grateful for growing up in this community. Reading that is, it kind of helps me think, like, there are people that don't have that. That was what struck me, definitely that line. This is not a blessing just for you. There's a lot, there's a lot of people to think about at this time that number that right the three billion to eight billion but i'm almost i'm almost thinking like just technology wise you know back in the early days of the church yeah sure there were less people on the earth but i don't even know capacity wise capability wise if we would have been able to reach one third really you know it would have been about sending more missionaries or sending more people which is which was a limited resource in a sense because we were so small But I'm thinking like 8 billion people and one third of that. It's actually much more doable to reach one third now than it was ever before. It's definitely a lot of people. It's a big number. I don't I see it as like a it's a it's a possibility. It's a very, very strong possibility for me. And I'm I'm excited by that. (laughs) It's a little it's definitely daunting and a little bit of a I don't know when you when you tell people if you, if I don't think we would ever voice it like this, but if you ever said, you know, the purpose of your religion, race, and your nations is complete, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> people would be like, what are you talking about? You know, <laughs> so we could, I know you can't ever like advertise it like that, but yeah, I think, I, I mean, I guess I go back to gratitude because it's just the only way people would see that it's time to disembark, that it's time to put on a different way of seeing things or it's time to for change or something new is you know if their hearts are full and they feel loved you know that's really the only place that people take real change and action from you know I feel that mother has that capacity right um it's so interesting because I I don't feel you know as close to true mother as I did true father growing up in this movement but I have never felt uh like uh, unloved from Truma. Like I've always felt love from her. Even if I feel like I'm I'm far away, I haven't really talked to her, I haven't really said anything. If I come into her presence or if I read anything that she writes or you know anything that she says, immediately I feel love. You know, so I think one third of eight billion is possible and it's it's gonna happen. I just feel confident in that. <laughs> wow. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting too, just to add a point here, is that I mean, Sujin, you pulled out this sentence that there are no words to describe the world right now. In all respects, it has reached the end point. It does make me think about our generation and our relationship with religion, even wider than just our church community, that there's kind of a phenomenon happening right now where the next generation of people are not interested in traditional religion anymore. They feel very boxed in. And when you when you kind of look at the beginning of this speech where mother was talking about highlighting those believers in Jesus's time who didn't maybe fit the prescribed way of being a Christian and a follower of Jesus. It's recognizing the phenomena that's happening right now that we, our generation, even after COVID, I think what they're finding is that most young people are not returning to church, but they're doing their, their three minute church on their phone, you know? (laughs) that kind of thing. And and so the world really has to change because somehow it's not meeting the need or whatever it is, but 
I mean, Sanjay, with your optimism in mind, maybe we can interpret this more like this is part of the plan that we have to outgrow the existing church structures. We have to outgrow the existing religions and we have to naturally be called to something higher because this isn't it, right? Our church structures is not the final destination. And so when you think of it like that, it can be scary. Like, you know, being a Christian is kind of looked down on in our society right now. It's like a limited narrow viewpoint kind of feeling. But when you look at it from this perspective, it's more like, it's the new reformation, the new renaissance of, of being called naturally. There's a shift that has to happen in the world where we want more. We're looking for more. And if that is happening, then maybe people are more open to change. So I'm just intrigued that as the world kind of struggles right now, that people are going to be looking for something different, you know, a new answer, a new way forward. And in that way, I can be as confident as Sasha is that we're going to reach one third of the population. Well, yeah, I, th- I, I just see it has to go that way. Cause even when we, when, you know, true mother, you know, also says races and nations, you know, and just thinking about the race conversation, you know, in the world today and, and especially in the United States today, you know, my, husband is a teacher and he came home the other night and it was telling me about the race issues going on right not just between students but in a sense between teachers you know and and they're expected to be an example right these teachers so and and we we got we talked about it a little bit and not like we came to any sort of conclusion but what we what we did notice was staying in the conversation of race that it's a race thing and that's what needs to be fixed there was like no power there you know we were both we were both we both have very different opinions and it was just we noticed at the end of our conversation we're like so that didn't really get us anywhere did it you know so i think we did see, yeah we did see that it's it has to be there that conversation has sort of run its course. Not that it's, I mean, you can't, you can't ignore the pain, right? But also continuing that type of conversation isn't going to elevate people to another level. Um, and I think that was what we could agree on. <laughs> you know? So I just, I just see it, not just in religion or, or races, but yeah, even if we go into nations, like the whole borders, I always thought it was weird that there were borders between countries in some sense, because I was like, that land is going to be there way after me and you and everyone here. So who's to say? <laughs> it's, it's such an interest. Yeah, there's, there's, um, I just see a lot of possibility. Possibility has always excited me. Very interesting. Okay, so Mother continues on and she asks an interesting question. She says, what kind of life will your descendants be able to lead with pride? Aren't you looking forward to that? If so, what should you do? Have a grateful heart every day. You must create many such instances when we can spend time together as we are doing now, working to fulfill Heavenly Parents' wish, true parents' wishes, and the wishes of all people. Therefore, what should you do? To begin with, ensure you are able to achieve results you are proud of in all aspects of your work. In essence, this nation must become one that attends heaven, the heavenly parent and true parents. And the audience says, adieu. 
as I reflect on this, I'm trying to piece together what mother said earlier and this, because it's kind of a totally different tone. Um, I mean, she's really giving some, some gratitude, internal guidance here. She asks the question, what kind of life will your descendants be able to lead with pride? And then she talks about how to be able to do that, how we can do that is we have to create, have a grateful heart, create opportunities to spend time together. And I, this, this point, this last point she says is to ensure you're able to receive, achieve results you are proud of in all aspects of your work. And that particular last point really stands out to me um, when I think about my work and you know, the different projects I'm involved in. I'm I'm at a place in my life where I'm really longing to feel a hundred percent proud of of where I'm spending my time. Because, you know, sometimes when you work in providential organizations and church work and you know, probably processing loans sometimes, Sujin, but <laughs> it can it, you may not have the feeling of being proud of what you're doing, right? But it's good to do and it's it's everything is good and it's not bad, right? I think what's missing from those experiences for me is not being able to infuse my own calling or my own reflection of God in the work I'm doing. And I can tell in my life, I'm really longing for that. I'm really longing for a space. I, I use this, this phrase, like really sh- to shine brightly. And I don't know if that comes across super cheesy, but for me, visually, that's that's what I resonate with is there are moments in my life where I have I know I have shined brightly and I have felt so myself and so proud of myself and so free to express this, this God given nature in myself. But there are many times, even in my public life, where I haven't felt free to do that. I feel like mother in this, these few sentences is giving permission for us to find ways that make us really proud to contribute to the providence. And there's many ways to do that, right? Many different ways to do that. And it's not like one is more important than the other. And I appreciate that because our our effort and our energy will last longer when we feel this kind of resonance of being proud of who we are, because this is really what God calls you to do. It's not the boxed in version that mother is talking about earlier, but it's this new, in one of her earlier speeches, she was making the differentiation between the completed Testament age and the age of channel gook, that there's a clear difference there. And I think in this age of Chanoguk that we're still trying to build and figure out, this is this is really highlighted that there is a, a deep natural expression of how God wants to work through you. And it may be very different from other people, but all of that should be highlighted and celebrated. And if we have this grateful heart in processing all of that, then it be it is received by people. If we have the angry heart of you know, well, I don't, I don't fit into that, or I'm not inspired by that, or I don't agree with that and blaming other people, then our offering can't be received, our unique offering. But if we have the grateful heart that appreciates where everyone is coming from, then our unique offering can be offered. And I, I think that's one of the big challenges in our church community that I think we're still working out. This is horizontal Cain and Abel relationships. And I, I think mother's giving some pretty 
practical advice here is to have the grateful heart, appreciate all of it, but also make your unique offering, right? And God will receive that. So that's a world that I am looking forward to seeing. And I am looking forward to my children being raised in that kind of spiritual community. I think I'm I'm also thinking about I I just, you know, came to work for headquarters, I guess like a couple months ago. And it's but that's coming from, you know, eight, nine years in a corporate world working. And I think the biggest thing that I really appreciate about what your mother is saying right here is ensure that you are able to achieve results you are proud of in all aspects of your work. You know, the biggest thing or one of the things that most people are dealing with out there in the work force and the work world is just this like numbness, this like, like, it's just, this is, this is what society has structured as the way to live and the way to make money and the way to give your time away for money because that's what you need to survive and there's essentially this sort of um this like deadness that's there in one sense even though people are you know they're successful they're living lives but it's always about in a sense living for the weekend you know talking about the next time you're off or so you know when i think about being proud of all aspects of your work of all, and, and I see that as like all aspects of your life, you know, the work of being a parent, you know, the work of being a daughter, the work of being a sibling, the work, of, like all of that is, is the work of investing into your life. And can you really be proud of every aspect? Um, and I, for me, this is like such a, like, this is the way you reach 8 billion people. <laughs> You know, you create a community that's is, that's so proud of the work of their life, the work of living, right, in one sense, that it creates a culture, that it creates a movement, that it creates a people that are uh, striving for the best version of themselves to exist in every aspect of life. That's what I see as her guidance here, actually. So I think we get caught up in, like, especially maybe one thing that pushes quite a few second gen away from our movement is this like mission oriented, you know, like responsibility sort of mission of the church. But I, I don't know, just, I haven't seen it like that in a long time. Like, like your mission is your life. Can you live a successful life? You know, can you, can you live a life that you're proud of and not just you? Cause she's also talks about our descendants. Like would your children be proud of the life that you lived? And that's a, that's a real question. Um, and so maybe I think people don't, they're not thinking that big, you know, about the value of their life. I think in reading this part, especially the, what kind of life will your descendants be able to lead with pride? Aren't you looking forward to seeing that? I think in reading this part, that line, I again had to admire the way that your mother leads because she was talking about something so heavy you know, the reality and no words describe it. But then here she's like asking people to envision something that inspires them. Like, aren't you looking forward to seeing the kind of life your descendants could lead with pride? I just really, really had to admire the way she leads um, because it's not something I'm totally used to. I think in our church community, also in my family, uh, my mom's like, she grew up Catholic. So there was always this kind of more of like a pressure oriented way of leading, you know, like this has to get done. This is like what you have to do to be good and things like that. 
And I think also maybe Japanese culture can be like that too. It's like to be a dutiful person, you have to do this, like obligation more. But mother here, she's not operating that way at all. You know, she's talking about the reality, but then asking people what would inspire them, you know, what what would really, yeah, what would inspire their hearts? What, what do they want to see? And then aren't you looking forward to seeing that? I think it's just really beautiful. That's like what struck me here. Just the way she's leading is really uh, moving. Yeah, inspiring. Yeah, you know what's interesting about that point is that it's it's also not very Korean. It's not very East Asian. I mean, you were talking about you know the Catholic roots and Japanese roots, but it's it's also not Korean. And so it's interesting. Surely, mother is Korean, and is certainly you know <laughs> she's going to be forever. <laughs> but she's also making space. You know, this is more of like a like a North American Europe kind of energy. You know. It's interesting to put that into context. Earlier, she talks about how she's not so young anymore, right? And and I, I'm really paying attention to her speeches, especially when she talks about that, because I feel like she's leaving little nuggets of what she feels is missing from the way we operate right now. And she's really trying to think of the future. She's thinking much further than just you and me and my children, but she's thinking 10 generations down the line, 100 generations down the line. I mean, I'm also reflecting, Sujin, you're talking about the juxtaposition of the earlier paragraph where she's talking about there are no words to describe the world right now. And then she leads us into this this reflection on hope and what we're inspired by. And I, I feel like that's a model too for how we can deal with these things in our own life that we recognize the pain, we recognize the difficulty, the frustration, the problems. We don't ignore them. We don't not ever mention them or talk about them, which first of all, I think is a big deal that mother does that a lot in her speeches. But then what she also models is don't don't let that take all your time and energy. It needs to take some of your time and energy. It needs to be recognized. But most of your energy needs to be about the future and what gives you hope and inspiration. It's such a healthy model for me with the things that I go through in my life that I give space to it. We acknowledge it, but I don't need to talk about it for hours afterwards, right? I have to be mature enough to sit with it when I need to sit with it and also move on from it when I need to move on from it. And yeah, I mean, coming from our true mother, (laughs) that's... As a really, really powerful leadership model, as you're as you're pointing out, Sujin. I'm I'm also very touched and inspired by it. All right, so on to the last section of Mother's speech. She says, the reason this must be achieved is that we must be able to stand in a position of which God can be proud when we dedicate the Chanwan Gung's Chanil Sanctum on May 5th next year. That's this year for us. Thank you for your tireless efforts. From now on, let us completely commit to restoring not only this country, but also the entire world. We must strive only for victory. Wouldn't God say that? Yes. Will you do it? Yes. Based on that standpoint, please make your resolutions and take action accordingly. In doing so, I sincerely hope that you will be able to harvest the many fruits that heaven has been hoping to see. So mother always gives these like really encouraging words at the end of her speeches. 
it's, it's always like a perfect mix of um, love and, and kindness in the beginning and, you know, a little bit of guidance about the providence of restoration and then the reality of the world and then hope. And then now you can do it. <laughs> so it's like, it's like the ultimate pep talk, right? This is mother's model for her speeches. <laughs> but one thing I wanted to share is I've mentioned many times in this podcast that I'm still kind of discovering what the Chan Wangung is, the Chano Sanctum. I think recently I've had a breakthrough in it and why mother talks about it so much and what it means. And I, I have finally been able to separate the building from what she's actually talking about. And that has helped me a lot because this whole time I've been trying to figure out like, why does this building mean so much? And yes, it represents, you know, it's a, it's a sanctuary for heavenly parent, which is the first of its kind. And that signifies a change. But I feel like what it really signifies is change in general, a new start and a shift. It's an opportunity for all of us to look at ourselves, renew ourselves, reflect ourselves, and literally throw away things that are holding us back. So that when, when the Chan Wangung is opened, when we enter the Chan Wangung, we enter as new people ready for the new age, ready for what's to come. And I have been inspired by that to use this, this time period of until May 5th as an opportunity to be reborn myself. You know, like I mentioned in her speech where she talks about completed Testament age and Chanoguk age, what's the difference there? And, and what completed Testament stuff am I still holding on to that I need to let go of so that I can really walk in the Chanoguk era, that I can breathe love. I was explaining to my children the other day uh, cause we were talking about how true parents' birthday is coming up and I was asking them, what should we do? You know, how should we celebrate? And I, I taught them this idea. We were going to make a crazy cake with all these crazy things on it. That's our plan. And then I taught them that, you know, true father can enjoy that cake through you from spirit world. And they were like, what? <laughs> and I, I said, yeah, I mean, let's practice it now. Like, okay, true father, enjoy my spaghetti through me. And they take a bite <laughs> like that. Right. <laughs> And it, you know, it's like such an, an interesting concept for them. <laughs> it, even this kind of concept for me of like how I relate with true parents and how I relate with spirit world and and all of that is is what needs to change in me right now, so that come May fifth, I'm really ready to live in Chanukah. I'm really ready to live in joy and oneness with God. And and passing on true parents tradition. I, I imagine of like here's the timeline of God's providence, like here's the flag marker for a really important time in history and some new spiritual door is being opened for us. And if we can do the work to shed the skin and to get rid of the gunk that we've developed over the years, then we'll start to feel, wow, the sunshine is much brighter right now. But if we don't do the work, we're never going to recognize the change that's happening spiritually that's coming our way. And so that's how I'm trying to interpret it. And it is a building and, and part of the financial foundation is an offering that we have to make, right? That we have to struggle with and be like, why am I donating money and all of that stuff, which is always a healthy process to go through because you find your answer if you work hard enough. 
Um, that's the physical part, but there's like the spiritual part that I think is coming much more clearly for me. So everyone who's been listening to the podcast has known I've been struggling with it and I'm, I'm making progress everybody. So I hope you're making progress too. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I mean, I love everything that you shared, Kaylee, and I appreciate how you bring everything back to, you know, your family and like what you're learning, you know, even just like what you're teaching your kids. Um, I'm excited to you know, reach that stage of life eventually. I don't know. I don't know why, but the building, it's never really bothered me for some reason. And, um, you know, I have been like looking at that. I'm like, huh, why do I not feel bothered by it? You know, it's like, it's, I'm going to go back to, you know, what I'm learning in my, in my business. You know, I'm just saying this because, you know, if you want to grow with your spouse, start a business together. Just saying that because (laughs) there's very different opinions of how a business should be run, first of all. And, you know, me, I'm like, mine is right, Jamie. So there's a lot for me to grow in. What we get access to in our business is some really great coaching material, some really great leadership material. And there's this one, he's a pastor. His name is John Maxwell, but he's also, a, you know, a speaker and author. You know, he works in the industry and world of like leadership building. You know, one audio that I listened to really kind of struck me. He was speaking you know, having a one-on-one conversation with someone that he's coached for a very, very long time. So there's like a bond there. There's a trust there. There's a mentor and a mentee type of relationship. This mentee, you know, because he was so grateful for what John has taught him and he got together with a whole group of other people, other mentees that John had coached and was like, I want to dedicate something to him. Will you help me do this? And he, John, not knowing anything, right. And not asking money from John, you know, got this group of people to create a whole building dedicated to John. And the intention of the building is, is literally just a leadership training building. Cause that's what John has dedicated his life to. Right. And the reason this was significant to me was I'm real. I think with the building, I'm realizing the reality is it should have been something that we built for true mother along time ago like for two parents it actually should have been something that like even as children as a child I have a desire to offer something to my parents that is that can stand withstand time in one sense you know like I want to give them something I want to take care of them anyway Dr. Young actually gave me some money to buy a gift for my parents and Sujin knows what I was going through like what do I get that represents what Dr. Young would get for his my our parents I know I was struggling but anyway, we landed on, you know, a bill, uh, a sign, you know, that says, you know, Ogden Lake House Holy Community. Hopefully they don't hear this before the gift gets there. <laughs> but it's like a wooden sign that, you know, because I, I was thinking, what am I, what are, what's important to my parents right now? And to them, it's building this holy community, you know, that, that's on their hearts to do. And I was like, well, I feel like that's what would move them. And they would feel like this is a gift from Dr. Young. And so I'm thinking what, what I really saw was, the building is really a representation of a filial heart and a child. It's a a parent-child relationship, but it's the heart's, it's the child's heart and desire to offer something to the parent, right? And I, I feel sorrowful, actually, that true mother has had to spearhead it because something in my heart of heart is telling me that that's not how it was supposed to be. She's doing it because she has to. So then I think that's why it's easy for people to misinterpret it as like, she's doing this for herself or something, right? Just taking money or something. But it's because we didn't have enough, actually. We, we didn't see 
yeah, more people have to be successful in their lives, monetarily, financially, you know, internally, external, everything, so that we have the means to to off to offer something to heavenly parents and true parents and how i've been understanding it inside of myself that i i really see the building as something that we should have offered to to parents for me at the end listening to this speech or just listening to the last couple paragraphs i think i was definitely inspired by like her interpretation of what god would think she was like wouldn't God say we must strive only for victory? <laughs> you know, it's like a very positive, like in a positive narrative of, of what God would say. I really liked that. Um, and then I think this ending was very like practical for me. She was like, okay, based on that standpoint, please make your resolutions and take action accordingly. It's very like, all right. So based on that, please like think about it, make a plan and move forward. You know, it's very like practical kind of like after this reflective time period, let us make a plan and move forward. And I liked that because it kind of made me think about the practical things in my life, the things I do I just, whenever I want to accomplish something, like what came to mind was, you know, I've been doing this one exercise routine. It's called the 12, 3, 30, which is like, <laughs> you're on a treadmill for 30 minutes, three miles per hour and a 12% incline. And it's, it's pretty arduous. Like, you know, you have to, it's like walking uphill, like you're, you're walking up a mountain uh, for 30 minutes at the exact same pace the whole time. And every time I do it, I know I have to stretch afterward because then the next time it's going to be really hard. And then I have to drink a lot of water beforehand because drinking water during it doesn't really, it's not the best. So I, I like have to prepare basically to be successful, you know, in my little routine. And your mother kind of reminds me of that. It's like, okay, like if you're thinking about being proud and successful, what would you do? what would you do? What steps would you take? And it, it feels like that. And I, in some ways, I think we kind of complicate our spiritual lives, you know, because there's so many problems and there's like all this reality that we have. But I think it can be that simple, like, okay, come May 5th, you know, when this building opens up, in order for you to stand proud, what would you do? What would you have to do to, to take that kind of position um, and then take take steps? you know, to get there. It's like a very simplified approach, which I really appreciate. Dang, Ogden sisters, you guys are just knocking this out of the park. (laughs) (laughs) The wisdom is just like pouring over me. Like, wow, I need to reflect after this. (laughs) One thing I just want to say is like, I mean, I was sharing with these ladies earlier about the design of this podcast, and I really appreciate that it's not, there's no competition of wisdom of heart, right? When when there's a, a gratitude attitude and a, and a love relationship, then it's not the feeling of like, oh, Sujin said something wiser than me, or oh, Sancha said something wiser than me. <laughs> <laughs> because... You know that I sometimes I will give a talk and then I will come off stage and I'm like, oh, I I didn't do this good or like that kind of thing, right? This self-conscious stuff comes in, but I'm I'm so moved and inspired by this holy community feeling that comes from doing this podcast of 
the wisdom is a group effort and the learning is a group effort and the modeling of growth is a group effort. And we go together. It's not the single leader who's going and fighting everything and we all just have to follow their path, but we're like creating this more round experience together. And yeah, I just find myself totally in awe and grateful every time. So I'll just say thank you to both of you. And I will ask you to share any of your final comments or thoughts or reflection from this whole experience that you might want to have listeners here today. Yeah, I can jump in simply. Uh, yeah, Kaylee, I've been so moved by these these podcasts and like your what it like your effort. I've I I love True Mother, right? And but I honestly don't read her, you know, her speeches enough. I don't like pray one on one with her enough. Like I know that I'm moved by your heart to take action. I honestly can say that these podcasts have like had me look more insightfully into. You know, how am I showing up in my life and how am I representing, you know, a woman, but also like true mother in my life? So just immense gratitude. You're someone that I look up to (laughs) and you're pretty cool. (laughs) You're a great mom. And uh, yeah, there's just so much. I, I resonate with what you said about a holy community of that. Yeah, there's a collective wisdom that we have access to certain cultures and and, you know, time periods I think knew that and practiced that more but we've definitely lost that in this day and age and I I'm excited for that to come back actually and I think it starts off in these types of groups and these types of actions and efforts so yeah thank you for spearheading that in our community I also really appreciated this experience it's really nice hearing from each person and how what hits them is so different from the next person, kind of the point you were making. And I think that is beautiful. And I also think that applies to our path forward sometimes looks so different from each other. That's one thing. But also every day it looks different. Uh, When I was just like flipping or scrolling through Facebook and there was this little picture that said like, trying your best looks different every day. And it was like one day someone was like running, you know, jogging. The next day they were just like trying to get out of bed. And then the next day, you know, it's like, I feel like when I listen to mother's speeches, I do feel like mother has this approach of like, okay, like just take us, take it a step at a time, like step by step, move forward. And I just, I really love that. And I think that our best looks different every day because of the challenges that we face and not giving up is is really important. And I really feel that from mother, she has a lot of hope, even with the big goals in mind, she keeps hope there very much. So I think that would be my final words. But yeah, I was really grateful to listen to both of you. Thanks for inviting us on as sisters. Yeah, Yeah, this was (laughs) such a great experience. Thank you both, you guys. And thanks for doing it as sisters. I just feel like that made it more fun. (laughs) 